Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, thank you for being friendly. Let's stand together. Praise God. Amen. Brother Jansen, would you mind coming up here? Brother Jansen and I are two peas in a pod here. See this? Brother Jansen has, uh, I'm going to get this conviction. He has a conviction against suit coats. So in honor of Brother Jansen, I'm wearing a vest tonight, and I like it a whole lot better. (laughs) But seriously, this is a great young man of God. He preached here a few weeks ago at a youth rally and did an outstanding job. He's done a great work in Oshkosh. He started the work there. They're running about 60 to 70 people. He's a soul winner. Amen. And we're very proud of him, and he's going to minister to us in the word tonight, and we're going to be behind him. We're the amen corner. Amen? God bless you, Brother Jansen. Absolutely. Well, I only know how to do it one way, so... We're going to preach tonight. I hope that's all right. I'm so thankful for your pastor. Uh, He's a very sharp-dressed man, and uh, I'm glad that he gives me credit for it. Uh, No, you you can be seated. We'll we'll get going in a little bit here. Um, It was a few years ago that that I was doing like five to six services a week. Uh, I'd go from our Menasha church on Wednesday to our church on Thursday, and Gerbings, hey guys. I used to go to church with them a long time ago. I'm sorry, let me get back on track. Then I was the youth pastor, so I would do church on Friday, and then I'd have two music services or practices on Saturday, and then we had three church services on Sunday. So I would do morning, come back to our afternoon, and then go back at night. And uh, it just got to the point where I was very uncomfortable most of the time wearing the suit jacket and the suit. Uh, it didn't. It didn't help that I was getting larger either. Um, so I, my feet would hurt, uh, I wouldn't be able to move so good, and so I just decided that uh, suit jackets were just under sinning, and, uh, and I only wear dress shoes at a funeral. So that's my story, and that's what I'm going to stick to, and I feel good when I preach, and uh, I would say you should allow your pastor to feel good when he preaches as well. I'm thankful for this church. You've supported uh, home missions uh, as, as you've supported your pastor when he's directing that, that North American missions ministry. Uh, so I am indebted to this church for allowing him uh, to be used around the district. And uh, it really is a, a privilege to be here with you this evening. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to go to John chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 31 through 35. That's John chapter 12, verses 31 through 35. If you got to say amen, well, that's half of you. Is it behind me? Well, then that's, that should be all of you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while 
is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. You may be seated. I've titled this message, The End is Near. The End is Near. Sandwich sign and all walking down the street, the end is near. I heard that there was 88 ways or 88 reasons in 1988 as to why God was going to come back then. Then there was the Y2K scare when I was a senior in high school. We thought that that was the end of the world. And of course, who could forget 2012 when the Mayans predicted the end of the year or the end of the world through uh, uh, ending their calendar? We've all been scared one way or another. Some have come to Christ through it. Others, you know, have taken to their basements with uh, stored up water and such. So I've decided to get on board with the whole end theory. For us, this is the end of business as usual. For the church, it's the end of I'm just praying to make it into heaven mentality. This whole, I'm just going to do my Jesus thing quietly will no longer be our style. The end is near for that type of thinking. Everyone else is making a statement around us. You have the NRA, the NAACP, you have left-wingers, right-wingers, and all those in-betweeners. And uh, everybody wants to say something, and everybody wants to take a stance on anything. You have tree huggers and those that don't mind destroying anything in their paths. I need someone to know that the end of that mess is near. There are those in this room that have been waiting for this type of service. This is a service where we go all in. Now you may be saying to yourself, yeah, Jansen, but it's Wednesday night. We just want to get through it so that we can get home ready for bed. Kids going to school tomorrow. Just get it done, man. But I really believe like if we're going to take Take the time to step into the house of God, we ought to be ready for a game changer. We ought to be ready to be moved into the place of the supernatural. We ought to be ready to be taken to that place where there is an end to the old thinking and a beginning to the brand new thinking. We need to get out of the Christian closet. This is not your parents' church. This is not your friend's church. This ain't your brother's church. This is your church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. Here's the deal. When people quit living on the fence, you might find a difference in your home. You may see a difference in your children. The preacher won't always sound like he's getting on your case. And you might just start experiencing some victory. If you think that the grass is greener on the other side, maybe we need to tend to our lawn a little more earnestly. Maybe we should plant a little more seed. That's the word of God. Maybe we need to do a little more watering. That's prayer and fasting. The end is near. Here's a cool reading that I really like. It starts off, we are part of a fellowship unashamed. It goes on to say that we have Holy Ghost power. Does anybody agree with that tonight? See, the die is cast... We've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. We are disciples of his. We can't and won't look back. We won't let up, slow down, back away, 
or be still. Our past is redeemed. Our our present makes sense and our future is secure. Can we be finished with low living, small planning, smooth knees and colorless dreams? There'll be no more tamed vision, chintzy giving or dwarfed goals for us. See, we're the church and the end is near. This is the end of needing prosperity, position, promotion, or popularity. We now live by present tense, by faith. We walk by patience, lifted by prayer, and labor by power. The church is set and our goal is heaven. This road is narrow, the way is rough, but our guide is reliable. See, you and I cannot be bought. We will not compromise. We won't turn back, be deceived or delayed. We will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, or negotiate at the table of the adversary. We won't give up. We won't let up or shut up until we have prayed up and paid up for the cause of Christ. We are disciples of Jesus. We must go till he comes, give till we drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops us. And when he comes for his own, he won't have any problems recognizing his bride because we will not be discouraged and we will refuse to quit. Church, we don't have time to be complacent. See, all complacency is is fear. Fear of the unfamiliar. Fear of failure. Ultimately, the fear of excellence because excellence brings an expectation. We see this reflected in a biblical example of Moses after he flees from Egypt to the land of Midian in Exodus 2, 21 through 22. And Moses was content to dwell with the man and he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son and called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Moses has a home. He has a family. There's some possessions. He's comfortable in his new life. But God desires more for him and from him. I can speak to this as a home missions pastor. See, I was a corrections officer back in my previous life. And I lived pretty well as a 19, 20-year-old young man. I had benefits. I had vacation time. I made pretty good money. I was able to get married and start having children at a younger age. It was very nice to be settled in. I had a great church and church family. Everything was fantastic. But somewhere, somehow along the way, I would go to bed at night with this not in my stomach thinking there's more for me to do than just walk into a prison and tend to inmates. Now we need those individuals and I'm glad we have them. But there was something more for me. And I would wake up in the morning and that same knot would be there and I would think to myself, my God, what is this? And I realized very shortly that it was starting to show on my face because the next time I was with my pastor, he asked me, Chris, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm sick and tired of walking into Walmart and not seeing my people. See, because you know how us apostolics get. We can't do anything else, so we have to go to Walmart or Applebee's. At least that's where I get my entertainment from. But I said to him, I said, there's nobody like me in my city. And I want my children to be able to grow up and see an apostolic presence where they live. 
And I began to pour out my heart and, and everything began to rise up and he simply looks over his glasses at me and says, we'll start a Bible study. I'd like to tell everybody that, you know, it all went to plan. I'll save that for another day. It didn't go to plan, but I'll tell you that knot that was once in my stomach, it rose up into my throat. <laughs> it intensified, and there was more. And I just, I believe that, that if someone here would step outside of the, the everyday normal, and the things that make them comfortable, they will realize as well that there's a family, there's an individual that, that you're supposed to reach, that you're supposed to minister to. Maybe there's something that you can do for a, a member in the church or, or even your pastor. I mean, hey, he didn't pay me to say that. That's just the reality. Sometimes pastors need other people to come along and say, hey, we're here for you. We're praying with you. We see the vision. We're believing with you. What do you need? Where can I be? How can I do it? See, so many times as pastors, we're trying to help you get to where you're supposed to be. But really, what the church is, 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 an, is a, a living, breathing thing. And it's moving and it's supposed to be there to help move forward the vision of the man of God. That's okay. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm saying. Because I know you know what I'm saying. You're the few that are here on a Wednesday night. I'm not beating you up. I'm simply saying, if that's what you're doing, thank goodness we have people like you in the building. I've realized one thing about the people of God. There's nobody greater. There's nobody greater than the people of God. So please understand, I'm not coming as, as one to, to put the thumb down or to, to try and kick you into shape. That ain't it. You're, you're the people that are here. I'm simply saying that there's, there's a place that we can get to, and it's a place of comfort that will shut down the progression that God wants to take you through. We can look at ourselves and go, well, we've got a pretty good number now. I faced this in Oshkosh. 60, 70 people were pretty much packed out in the little space that we have. And it's real easy to get comfortable and go, that's good. We're good now. We haven't been kicked out of a place in over a year. I could get real comfortable with that. Nice building. Let's not make anybody uncomfortable with our preaching. You know, we don't want to bring up too many biblical principles. You know, that whole abstaining from sin stuff. Or that whole tithing issue. You know, we don't want to touch that mess because you might have people leave. One thing I learned about tithing, I'm just going to, I'm a home missionary so I can just say stuff. Okay. Here's what I learned about people that don't pay tithe. They look real great in your church because they're taking up seats. But it's real hard to grow with those type of people because they're taking up seats, but they don't give anything so that you can go get more seats. We ran into this problem. We were running like 115 people at one point. And uh, we were in a, a larger facility. And we started to look into bigger facilities for growth's sake. And so I went to the people that deal with the money and I said, we need to get something bigger. They said, yeah, that would be great except for only about 25% of the people tithe. 
which I found out later is actually a good percent, which is sad. So people that don't tithe, they take up seats. And that's okay for a little while. But get behind your pastor when he begins to preach about things such as tithing. Amen. There's that, that whole thing on holiness that nobody likes to touch either. Don't be afraid of your pastor preaching on how to live a godly lifestyle. I'm tired of this, hey, preacher, make me laugh stuff. Give me some of those jokes that you do. I felt like I was a stand-up comedian at one point. I, naturally, I, I like to cut up and have fun. I, I like to say funny things. It, you know, honestly, most of the time, I'm not trying. I don't like write it down in, in my stuff and, you know, joke here. I, I, don't, I don't do that. But I felt like, like if people weren't laughing, they were angry. What I realized real shortly, Pastor, was that they weren't angry. They were being convicted and God was changing their hearts. So we have to understand that while we want a level of comfort in the house of God, we want people to feel comfortable. We as apostolics cannot get comfortable. We have to step through that stuff in order to see God do what he wants to do through us in our church. People need to be able to come into the house of God and see people that are hungry for the word, that are desiring the truth, that aren't afraid to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, God called Moses to lift him up before Pharaoh. We all understand that Egypt is typecast for the world. So here Moses, the man of God, steps up to the king of the world and says, Hey, God said, let my people go. What did the world do? They didn't say, oh yeah, here you go. It's like, get out of my face, man. Who are you? Who are you? You don't even own your own tent. That's your dad's tent. Wife was given to you, and you smell like sheep. Can somebody bathe this guy before he comes before me again? It wasn't easy for Moses. We, we read in Exodus 4 and 10... And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. See, I like what God does, though. He answers, right? And I like the way he answers. It's like one of these, I'm not having that, Moses. I know you have excuses, but let's read in Exodus 4, 11 through 17. This is the response to an excuse. This is a response to somebody that was comfortable, then was made to feel a little uncomfortable, and then started to throw, throw out excuses as to why he wasn't good enough to go before and, and basically pull people out of captivity. Is that what we're called to do as Christians? And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? So let me stop there real quick. 
Basically, what he's saying here is, I made you the way I made you, and it didn't just occur to me that you couldn't say things right. I chose you because that's who I want to go before Pharaoh. See, because what we have to understand about Moses is the education that he had prior to the wilderness. He was the man for the job. Moses, I know you can't talk right, but that's why I've chosen you. Because it's not going to be you that speaks, it's going to be me. I've made you, let's go on. Uh, Where am I at? Verse 12. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him who thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. So God goes, look, I I hear you. I'm just trying to bend you. I'm not trying to break you. So I'll send somebody that you trust. Since this whole speech thing is what's, what's hooking you up, I'll send another dude with you. But you're not out of the woods. You still have to go. Verse 15. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he said, be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and shalt be to him instead of God and thou shalt take this rod in thine hand wherewith thou shalt do signs so basically it was look man you got no more excuse I'm asking you to go lift me up in front of Pharaoh you were comfortable I get it but the end of that comfort is is done it, it's here I need you to go and do something that's uncomfortable, but I, I won't leave you alone. I'll give you somebody else, and then I'll make sure that I'm speaking to you directly. See, God's cool that way. When we feel like we're not good enough, when we feel like we're incapable, he, he always seems to come and just give the right word at the right time. And, and I guess the hard part about that is when you do something really good, you can't take credit for it. I remember the first time I preached, man, I got off that platform, I felt 10 feet tall. I was like, fine, there's something I can do. I'm good at that. My wife, God love women. She knocked me down to size. She said, well, you didn't have enough scripture. You spoke too fast. She's like, what? why do you talk so fast when you're up there? And you do this thing where you always put your hand in your pocket. So like she picked it. She was like, and I, ah. so I learned real quick that while I felt real good about my preaching, God was going to send somebody along and go, hey man, it wasn't you. Believe it. It wasn't you. Whatever good comes out of what we do here or at a kitchen table when we're teaching a Bible study or singing a song for the Lord, that's all about him and it's all his glory. 
And that makes it a little tough sometimes because you're like, hey, man, I finally did something right. And you go, yeah, it really wasn't me anyway. We're called to lift up Jesus. We're called to lift him up. I want to tell somebody here that your pastor, he'll preach with everything he has. And, And from what I understand, you've been here a long time. So I assume he's done that for a long time. It's time that we as people of God start to preach with our pastors. It's time that we get behind the ministry. And that means being part of the vision and going forward. The end is near of the folded arm while service is moving. The I will not be moved mentality. We really need to stand up and declare victory together. Psalm 34 and 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And we understand that this is done through worship. Psalm 96, 1 through 4, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. If we were to drop down to verse 11, it says, let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Truth. That's a commodity. Who's telling you the truth? Are you telling the truth? Are you truthful with yourself? See, we understand repentance. You folks are not new to this. I'm looking around the room and I go, yeah, they know about repentance. I know who your pastor is, so I know you know about repentance. Jesus said he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I I know you understand baptism in Jesus' name. I, I know you get it. Romans 6 and 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I know you understand that. I know you get the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the necessity of it. I know you understand power and and the things that come along with being filled. But my question is, is, does anyone else around you know about it? See, that's truth. You want to end somebody's world? Preach Jesus and him crucified. Share the word. Be somebody's confidant. You'll end their world. But believe me, there's not too many that are living in the world that don't want their world ended. 
I've worked with enough down and outers. And at the same time, I've worked with enough successful people to know there are not too many on this planet that want to remain in the world that they are going in when they don't have these truths. I have never met an individual after they've repented of their sins, been baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost, said, I wish I didn't experience that. Never once. Now, there are other things that come in the way, and, and I'll let you and your pastor deal with that stuff, but nobody's ever said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I believe, I believe that if we would step outside of ourselves and that we would understand that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, knowing that we're part of that, that the end of this everyday trial and turmoil is right upon us. Let's stand together. I feel pretty good about that. Thanks, man. See, I... <laughs> I gotta be honest. At my church, people don't respond. I'll throw a chair. Not at anybody. I'll just throw one. Just to get somebody's attention. What you have to understand is you're part of something that is so fantastic, so wonderful, that people truly want to be a part of it. They're really desiring something more. And in understanding that, we have to realize that in ourselves, we truly are desiring something more within us. Look, I, I, I get it. You, you come from this area, you come from that area, or, or maybe you know, you've experienced some success in your life and you're like, man, I ain't got time for all this. I make it to church, I'm faithful, I'm here, don't you see me? Yeah, I get it, but I, I believe that when you lay down at night and, and you have that weight on you, you you're, there's something more. I, I, have you ever been underwater where, where you're, like, oh, you're at your last breath? Maybe you were playing a game as a kid where you could see who'd, who could be under longer. If we could feel that way about reaching out to those that don't quite have what we have, I think we would fight just a little bit harder to see the things of God manifest. When I don't get to talk to somebody about the Lord, it's like, it's like I'm at my last breath. I can't breathe. I can't eat right. I can't see right. I don't want to sit down and, and play a board game with my family. I, I want to go get somebody. Maybe that's not for you. I, I don't know. But the last time I checked, we were all called. Every single one of us was commissioned to reach the lost. Preacher, I'm not in the right spot right now. 
See, I'm, I'm dealing with certain things, preacher. I, I got some skeletons in the closet that, you know, not even, not even my pastor knows about. So, I, you know, I need to get me right first. Well, there's no time like right now. I wish I could say I was perfect. I'm not. So I understand that you aren't either. So what we're going to do, and I hope this is okay, we're going to open up an altar on a Wednesday night. For those that, that, you know, you're desiring to do something more, you just, you know, you just need that extra shove. And those that are saying, you know what, there's stuff I got to deal with first. There's an altar. I'm going to open it up to you tonight. In Jesus' name, if you have a need, if you have a desire to do something for the kingdom of God, if you've never received the Holy Ghost before, I believe that can happen. And there's no better place than right here. You're welcome to come in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.